You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. Gospel according to John in the fourth chapter. I've already given at least two introductions, so we'll just get into the sermon now. John chapter 4, verse 20. Uh, Excuse me, 19, 19. John 4, 19. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. She is speaking to Jesus. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say, you're saying, that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour is cometh, when ye shall neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, ye know not what, we know uh, what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers, I hope that's our point, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. We'll stop right there. Once again, by way of introduction, the word worship is so commonly used today, but maybe less commonly understood. You can go to any Christian church service today, say this is our worship service. Whether, whatever time it's at, 10.30, uh, 11 o'clock, ours is at 11. Uh, come join us in worship. Come worship with us. Uh, praise and worship band. Praise and worship singing song. Uh, worship with us. It's such a common word, but I begin to wonder if it's just less common in practice. It's such a common word, yes. We use it. But we know, well, do we know what we're saying? What does that even mean? Come and worship with us. What, I mean, I think our culturally we have some answers to that question. What does that mean? But biblically, that's where I want to get to today. That's my sermon. Biblically today, where's the worship? What is worship? Uh, it is, yes, it's a common word, but less understood. John 4, 23 says, the Father is seeking worshipers. John 4, 23. Nathan. The Father is seeking worshipers. God is seeking true worship. Do you know God is seeking worshipers this morning? I wonder if you thought that when you came to church this morning. God's seeking worshipers. God is seeking true worship from true worshipers. And we are commanded to worship. And we saw that in Sunday school. Uh, we've been commanded to worship. And God seeks worship and commands worship. Jesus tells the woman at the well, this is where we are in John 4, this is the woman at the well. Jesus tells the woman at the well, so I'm going to explain kind of what happened. He is soon to do a work on the the cross that will change the way that we worship. It will change everything that we know. You see, at this point in history, the Jews worshipped. Now you can kind of fill in the blank. You go to the temple, of course. Well, obviously, uh, you need to bring a lamb or a goat. And, and, then there's, and then there's this, like, call and answer, repeat after me. 
And then there's this, and, and, where, uh, and you, so you ask somebody at, at, at this person's age, and you say, what's worship? Well, it, it's only done at the, at the temple. Only. Can't be anywhere. And, and, and this ritual and that ritual and then uh, burning of incense and, 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 and all of the outfits that people would wear. Uh, if, if you ever uh, go to the book of Leviticus, you'll see how they worshipped. Uh, the outfits that the priest had to wear and the high priest and going into the veil and into the temple and so on and so on. And that's what worship is. But Jesus says, there's coming a day and the day has come now where this is all going to change. All of this is going to change. How we worship and, and who we worship by that fact, this is all going to change. So uh, Jesus says, there will soon come a day uh, when worship will take place anywhere, anywhere and more spiritually. So she says, well, well, we were told we need to worship here, but you're telling us that we need to worship in Jerusalem. Now, what one is it? And Jesus says, look, there's coming a time where you can worship anywhere you want. And I'm sure she was like, okay, wow, that's not an answer I was expecting. How are we going to do that if we're supposed to? do this ritual, and we're supposed to go to the temple, and how are we going to do that? How are we going to accomplish that? And then he continues as, as when he says, uh, them that worship will worship him in spirit and in truth. Them that worship God, uh, that come to God with worship, will now worship him. So we're doing away with the old. Does anybody get what I'm saying? The Old Testament. And we're getting somewhere to the... New Testament that Jesus Christ died. This is a transition that is literally happening in the verses that we're reading. And of course, then that transition is ended when Christ dies and then he rises again. And Easter is coming, by the way. I want to invite everyone to be in your spots for Easter. Easter is coming. But uh, this is soon coming, and look, the worship that you know will forever be changed. Uh, it will forever be changed. So I want to dive into these two words just momentarily, in spirit and in truth. By spirit, he means you are not concerned with places. You are not concerned with rituals, and you're not concerned with the outward. Look, we, we talked about this, Miss Doria brought it up. We talked about this in Sunday school. Uh, when we go to heaven... We are spirit beings. We are not human beings. We are not soul beings. We are spirit beings. You know how you worship? In spirit. That's how you worship. So uh, what does that have to do with us? It, it, it's, it is worshiping through our spirit. Let me get back. Um, so, okay, okay, with spirit and in truth. Spirit, it's not about the outward. I can't see your spirit, Evan. I can't see your spirit. I can't see... Uh, uh, Derek, I can't see your spirit. So what he's saying, number one, how is worship going to change? It'll be in spirit and in truth. Spirit, it's not about the outward. It's not about your rituals. It's not about all the things that you've got memorized. It's not uh, the, uh, the sit down and the stand up and the, and the this and the that and the other. Look, the, the first, one of the first things about worship, uh, it'll be in your spirit. How is that possible? The Holy Spirit, of course. But we'll get to that another time. The Holy Spirit guides us in our worship. So how is it possible to worship in spirit? We're changing the way we're doing things. 
in spirit and in truth. Now, Brother Richard is the one that mentioned truth. Uh, now, truth can mean a couple of things. Truth can mean a couple of things. First of all, truth is the word of God. We're going to worship in spirit and in truth. And at this time, the word of God was not completed. It was literally being made. <laughs> it was being made. And so the Old Testament existed, yes. The New Testament didn't. So when we worship together this morning, we can worship in truth. What is that? We have the whole, full word of God. That's our truth. And, and of course, the Bible has a lot to say about truth. Where do we base our truth? The word of God. If you are new this morning... Uh, you don't come to church uh, often. Uh, here at Elk Point Baptist Church, we are based on solely, only on the authority of the Word of God. There's nothing above this. There's nothing above this. When we worship together this morning, we're worshiping in spirit and in truth. What is truth? It's the Word of God. That's the truth that we're worshiping in. And, and as I, once again, Brother Richard was, did, did, had a great, uh, said something great. But he said, the more we know the word of God, the better we can worship him. And that came from the lips of, of that man, not even from me. The more that we know God's word, if we are supposed to worship in spirit and in truth, th then the better and more equipped we'll be at worshiping him. But secondly, truth can also mean genuineness. Truth, not only can it mean, I'm going to worship God in truth, but it can also, the Bible, it can also mean in genuineness and sincerity. Look, I, I have a, a, a very funny, um, when, I was, when I was younger, uh, I, I've been to church for a, for a long time. I'll just say that. And probably uh, when I was younger, uh, there's been a time or two when we would pray at the altar, and this was me, I'm, I'm like up here. Yeah, who's watching me? Did they, did they see? Did people see that I stepped forward and, and prayed down here? Wait, wait. Let me see if mom and dad really know that I'm like a super saint. You know? Are they looking? There's been a time or two. Dad, I remember this. There was a time or two when dad came and got me. And I think he grabbed me by my collar and lifted me up. He said, get, get out of here. When we worship God in spirit and truth, funny, I can go from funny things to serious things really quickly. When we worship God in spirit and in truth, the truth is, it's not about me. It's not about me. Look, I don't think there are people here that do this, but, woo, praise the Lord, I hope people look at me. Woo, praise the Lord, I hope people think that I've got it all right. I don't think there's people that do that here, but there are people, Pharisees, people in the Bible, that do that. And what God says, if you want to worship me, it's going to be in truth in the word of God, but also it's, it's going to be in genuineness, genuineness and sincerity. You're going to worship me not to get clout from your pastor, not to look good in front of your spouse. Look, that's why sometimes that we call our, our prayer closet. Why, why is it called a closet? Because it is an alone time. I'm not just going to make sure that uh, is somebody uh, somebody watching me. I know my spouse gets home at this time, and I'm going to be sure that I'm busy in prayer when she gets home. Look, that's not about that. Genuineness and sincerity, spirit 
and in truth. So <laughs> I feel like Jesus in many ways just totally changed this woman's worldview and flipped it upside down. How can we worship God if we're not in the temple? Spirit and in truth. Uh, let me continue. So the woman asked the question, actually, the title of the sermon, where is the worship? Where? where? Where's the worship? Jesus answers her, soon it can be anywhere. But it is not about location anymore. I want that to get, get that out of your mind. It's not about location anymore. It's about the attitude of the worship of spirit and in truth. You know, you can worship God at your house. You can worship God in church I think a lot of times we're like, oh, this is where we worship. Yes, but not, not alone. Not alone. I've had excellent alone time with God. You know, I've had alone time with God at Menards. Not alone time from people. You only wish. But alone time from God. And, I, and I'm just talking to God. And I've had alone time with God mowing the lawn. I say, God, you are worthy of my worship. I just want to thank you today for who you are and accepting me. Hmm. That's all. That's, uh, that's all I have to say. You know, I can worship God. So, so Jesus tells the woman, and I, and I want to tell you this morning, it is not confined to these walls. Worship is not confined to these walls. It is not confined to the temple. Because it is an attitude. It's more like an attitude of worship in your heart, in spirit, and in truth. So let's get into this question. Where is the worship? That's question number one. Uh, question number two, what, what is worship? What is worship? First question I asked this morning is where is the worship? Now I'm back to my notes and I'm repeating myself. But here, here's a follow-up question. What, what is worship? Here's a simple definition of worship. Simple definition of worship. The voluntary humbling of one person both physically and spiritually, to exalt another. If you want to write that down, uh, I see people writing, the voluntary humbling of one person, both physically and spiritually, to exalt another. What I said in, in this morning in Sunday school, the word worship that we understand comes from two words, worth-ship. Ascribing worth to someone, W-O-R-T-H, ascribing worth, worth-ship. And you are worth, you know, my praise, my, uh, my uh, you know, whatever I'm, I'm, I am giving. You are ascribing worth to that person or being or thing. And uh, the Bible uses this word often. And oftentimes when the Bible uses this word, what is involved? Bowing, kneeling, and humbling of oneself makes up the primary meaning of this word. In action, you could say, what is worship? Well, I just said the definition. What is worship in action? The bowing, kneeling, and humbling of self make up the primary meaning of that word. So let's say, let's now, as, as I continue, let's let this word, the, the Bible, speak for itself. What does worship even mean? Where is it? We've answered that. Uh, but what does that even mean? Well, first, uh, as you see on the screen, it's a position. What is worship? It's a position. Number one. All right, now I'm going to hit these pretty hard. Okay, ready? Psalm 95, verse 1. 
O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise unto the rock of our salvation. That sounds like praise. That sounds like worship, what we did this morning. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto, unto him with psalms. For the Lord are, is a great God and the king of all gods. In his hands are the deep places of the earth, the strength of his hills also. The sea is his and he made it and his hands formed the dry land. What is the position of worship? Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, Judah, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east of Jerusalem, saying, Where is, that born, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and, and we want to do something. We are come to worship him. Skip, skip, skip. Matthew 2.10. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. What's the position of worship? And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother. They fell down, and they worshiped him. That's uh, Matthew 2.10 and 11. They fell down. And they worshipped him. Matthew 4, 8. I find this one very interesting to bring up. Matthew 4, 8. Again, the devil taketh him up uh, into an exceeding high mountain. Uh, so here we are. Uh, Jesus is being tempted by Satan. If, if you know what I'm talking about. Jesus is being tempted by Satan. And he showeth him, Satan shows him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. Matthew 4, 9. Satan saith unto him, All of these things I will give unto thee. What's the position of worship? If that will fall and worship me. Is it interesting to you that even Satan has a clear understanding of what worship is? In the position. Revelation, finally one more. Revelation 7, 11. 7, 11. And all the angels stood round about the throne and about the elders of the four beasts. What's the position of worship? And they fell before the throne on their faces, and they worshiped God. Worship is a physical act. Not only a physical act, because God tells us, instructs us to worship in spirit and in truth. And I told you, I told you this morning, what I'm trying to say, it's not limited to a physical act. Praise the Lord, hallelujah. Look, Ryan, I'm just not one that does that. Okay, you can still worship. It's not limited to that. It's not in that box is what I'm trying to say. It is hard to define worship without this, without bowing and bringing low in humility to someone else. Look, the word worship is prominent in our Bible. It is used over 200 times in the New and the Old Testament combined. And you would be hard-pressed to find any other definition of the word worship physically than bowing, humbling, and bowing to your face. Our definition of worship might be shaped around what culture says or what the dictionary says. But for Bible believers, which is who we are this morning, we base our definition of this worship from what the Bible says. And the English word describes the position of bowing. It is a humbling and an uncomfortable thing to do. I can be, hey, I, I can be real with you this morning. I, I, I like people that are real with me. It is, it is an uncomfortable and it's an odd thing to do. 
I think when I see worship, it is, it is an outward display of something going on in, in someone's heart. When the physical act of, of bowing, it, it, are you accomplishing anything? Well, it, it, is, it is obvious. For some people, bowing is a sacrifice. It's a long way down there, and it's a long way back up. It might take some sacrifice for people, but the, the physical act is humbling myself. Um, and remember uh, that, that I am not much of an anybody. Our culture, look, Americans, I can speak for Americans. I am one. Uh, we are not big on bowing. It's not something that we do. In Great Britain, uh, they, they, their culture, they bow to the king and queen. In Eastern cultures, uh, they bow. If you've seen, uh, I, I, this is a little random, like if you see Taekwondo, they start with a bow, and then they, be, and then they begin. When they finish, they end with a bow. Uh, it's, it's all over in other cultures. When you get to American culture, we handshake. We don't, we don't bow to anyone. And that reminds me of, you do not tread on me. I bow to nobody. God says, I'm looking for some worshipers this morning. Elk Point Baptist Church. I'm looking for some worshipers this morning. Well, what's the position? What is worship? What's the position? Bowing and humbling of oneself. That's the position. Americans, we don't really do that. Not in our culture. Look, if you were to uh, visit the White House, the, the most powerful man in, in the United States, you wouldn't bow. You'd give him a handshake. No matter, I mean, you could go to your favorite president, dead or alive. You wouldn't have bowed. You would have given him a handshake. It's not something that we do. So then I, I believe it's just yet another sacrifice toward God and say, bow and say, God, not only is my heart uh, just, you know, coming in an act of worship, but my physical body is too. I, I want to clarify a few things. Not everybody is capable of bowing. Many people are not. They're not physically capable of bowing. Uh, you can still worship. Of course you can. Like, so, so I'm not trying to put this into a box. But what I am trying to, to say is, what's the physical act? Verse after verse after verse after verse, uh, it, it is the, the act of physically bowing and humbling uh, not only your heart, but your body too. So uh, let us, uh, I, I like this last sentence, let us not fall short of falling before God. Let us not fall short of falling before God. We, we talked in the last hour, what stops us from worshiping? Look, I bow to nobody. That's not something that I do. Let us not fall short of falling before God, okay, when we worship. Uh, number one, what is worship? It, there's a position. And number two, there's a heart of worship. The heart of worship. And that's what, that's what Miss uh, Deidre brought up. James uh, 4, 8 says, draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. I was told in Sunday school I gave the wrong uh, reference. James 4, 8 says this. The heart of worship is what I'm talking about. Draw nigh to God, I'll draw nigh to you. Psalm 51, 17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. Oh God, thou will not despise. Matthew twenty two thirty seven, 37. 
Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. And lastly, in Isaiah, Isaiah 57, 15. What is the attitude of the worshipers? What is the attitude of the worshipers? For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy, God is speaking. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit to receive contrite bro, uh, to receive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Who does God worship with? <laughs> or who, who, how does God receive worship? Uh, the, so now it's not only the physical of bowing, but now what's the heart doing? The heart is, is a step of humility, a step of humility. Contrite, uh, I had to write this down just for clarity. Contrite means broken and repentant. God is close to, the, to those who are, have a contrite, a broken and repentant and humble spirit. And then you can go back to draw an eye to God and I'll draw an eye to you. You know who God gets close to? Are you feeling distant in, let's pause, are you feeling distant in your uh, walk with God? Or uh, I just, when I pray, I just don't really know if he's listening. I don't know if I'm talking to the ceiling here. Uh, well, and for, for some reason, God's been a little distant. Look, here's what the Bible says. God is close to people of a humble, humble and a contrite spirit. Do you want closeness this morning? Uh, these are the acts that we need to take. Humble and contrite spirit. Getting, uh, it is not about me. It is not about me. Sometimes when I pray, I just go into it. Like, hey, God, oh, man, you, you know the problems I have, but here I go. Whoosh. Worship, that's not about me. That's not about me. You say, God, God, I'm just going to come to you, and, and you know I'm nothing, but let me just say it. I'm nothing. Look, there's a position of worship, and there's a heart of worship. The act of worship springs from a heart of humility. God is not looking for someone. Uh, someone can say amen right here. God is not looking for someone who's got all the words and the rituals down. You can, you can come to church today and say, Ryan, uh, I haven't been to church long. I don't really know what's going on. God's not looking for someone who's got it all down, got it all covered. I know exactly what to say. I know exactly the, the words. <laughs> I have all these hymn books memorized, and I nearly do. But look, God is looking more into the heart than he is anything that people can see. Way more than that. So again, that goes back to in spirit and in truth. I worship God in my spirit. Physically, the way the Bible worships God is falling down before him. But in, in, in spirit... I worship him by being, you know what, I, by coming to him and being humble. I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. God responds to humility with proximity. Take that home, take that home today and, and chew that in your mind. God responds to humility with proximity. Do you know people that, that draw you to them? I was easily drawn to my wife. I, uh, she has, her character, her laugh, her joy, uh, it draws me to them. 
And he, you, now you can think of your own spouse. Don't think of Abby. Think of your own spouse. Uh, how people draw you to them. Now, or think of, think of your friend. Okay, uh, Ryan, this is kind of awkward. I'm not married. Okay, think of your friend. My friend. You know what draw, drew me to my friend? Was uh, we have similar interests. We, we have fun and, and, and things like that. We like to joke and sense of humor and things like that. You know what draws God to you? Humility. You know what draws you to God? Humility. When we take a step of humility, God takes a step of proximity. If you're here this morning thinking, oh, I already said that. Why is God too distant to me? I want you to think of, uh, you know, how's my, how's my humility? How's my humility? You remember Jesus speaks of the heathen in their prayer, and, and I'm almost done. Jesus speaks of the heathen in their prayer, and they do it with much speaking. Do you, do you remember that phrase when Jesus says, uh, look at those Pharisees pray, look at those people pray. Uh, they do it with a lot of speaking. Look, worship isn't in all of the right words, all the right notes and verses. And, you know, Ryan, honestly, when I sing, I don't sound very good at all. Oh, but it's so much more about the heart than it is about what you sound like. Let me say this to the parents. Parents, your, your children will reflect how you worship. Mom and dad, your children will reflect, will reflect, or I could just say, your parents, your children will reflect how you worship. Man, it's, it is good to see my parents worship. Look, it's a, it's a healthy thing. And for us today, uh, you know, do you want an example in the home of uh, uh, my dad worships, my mom uh, worships, and, and I know that they do. Uh, to continue, do you want some advice to change your prayer life forever? To change your prayer life forever. I'm speaking of taking steps in humility. Start worshiping God in, in prayer. We, we had a, a, a Sunday school lesson on prayer, and, and I was the one that taught it a while ago. But in the way that we pray, it, it always, I've always been taught, it reminds me of an Oreo cookie. Uh, uh, the, the, the cookie is um, worship. The cream is needs, <coughs> is needs. And the cookie is worship. Okay, how is your prayer life going to change if you go into prayer and say, God, I have a lot of needs. Let me worship you for a minute. God, you know what's going on. You know my family. God, you know this difficult situation at work. I have some decisions that I need to make that I'm really afraid about. Let me, can I just worship you for a minute? And you know what? On... on um, on Wednesday, this was taught, and, and Pastor Jesse did such a good job. Uh, listen to praise. There, there's a sermon on praise on Wednesday. But he took an object, and he was like, our, our problems are right in front of our face. They seem so big. But if we can push that aside and say, God, I'm just going to worship you for a minute. Did my problems leave? No, they're right here. But my focus changed. My focus changed. By the way, if you listen to Wednesday, God, uh, excuse me, J Pastor Jesse explains it a lot better than I can. But when the focus changes from, oh, magnify the Lord with me, is God getting bigger? No. 
but our perception is changing. And, and we begin to worship. When was the last time you prayed and said, God, I'm not going to ask for anything? And this is the thing that was convicting to me. All worship is, do you want an, yet another definition of worship? Seeking God. Seeking God with humility. When we, when we worship God, look, I'll, I'll say it again. When was the last time I just came to God and said, God, I'm just going to worship you this morning? Uh, here at Elk White Baptist Church, I'm just going to exalt you and say, God, you are the one who can change all my circumstances. But right now, it's not about my circumstances. It's about you. I mentioned this in Sunday school, but, but worship gets our focus off of us. Worship gets our focus off of us. It gets our focus on the one who can change all things. All-powerful, almighty. He is the one that can change all things. Biblical worship, is, and biblical worship and a thriving, abundant life relationship with our Creator is available to anybody. All right, I'm starting my conclusion. Biblical worship. In a thriving, abundant life, and what's the theme of church this year? Abundant life. Abundant life. You'll have life and you'll have it more abundantly. This can be had, including worship, by anybody. This can be had by anybody. So once again, let me say, well, I, I don't feel comfortable doing that. That's out of my comfort zone. Look, then th th that's your choice. But I'm saying it's available to everyone. Because we are good at looking back and say, look at that sin that I did. Look at what I've done and... and Oh, man, I just cannot worship today. Get your mind off of you. Get your mind off of you. Then there's going to be a tempter that's going to come. Because then, then that tempter is going to say, but remember? But remember that thought? But remember that thing that you did? Remember that action? Remember that sin? And now you don't, suddenly that you don't feel very forgiven. Look. When we begin with worship, say, God, it is not about me. It is about you. It gets our mind off of everything else. It gets our mind uh, off of the things around us and on our creator. This woman is a, was of bad character. This woman at the well was of bad character and, and a woman in her culture with a bad reputation. People knew her. Do you know this woman at the well story is pretty vast. She was alone. She came to the well alone. Because, I, because a lot of things can be said, but because she didn't want to be around people or people didn't want to be around her. Her reputation was killer. It was, it was, it was so bad. And she's the one that brought up worship. And God, Jesus chose to speak to her, this woman with, with five husbands, about worship. So who are we? Who are we to say, you know, God, God, I, I'm not know if, I don't know if I'm really one of the worship types. I'm, I'm kind of new here. Look, we can worship God this morning together. And we have been. God is looking for worshipers. And if the religious elite are too proud or too busy to worship him, he will seek the worship of whose lives are entrapped in moral ruin. 
He'll seek the worship of someone else if we are too good. I've been saved too long. I've been a part of this church for too long, and I don't want this person to know that I have something wrong. I don't want Brother Danny to know uh, I might be struggling with something, so I'm not going to go pray. That's not about that. If someone humbles themselves and seeks repentance from sin and comes before God and steps foot and comes before God that has never stepped foot in church, oh, worship has been, has been made. Worship has been had at that moment. The first element of worship is adoration. When you combine this feeling with a sincere heart, heart-level adoration of God with the physical act of bowing, uh, we have finally come to a genuine act of worship. Here we are at a genuine act of worship if we combine these. I'm not saying that you cannot have a, a, a spirit of worship without bowing, nor am I saying that every time a person bows, that that is worship. But what I'm trying to do is, is go as biblically as possible. Straight from what the Bible says, this is what worship is. So, uh, once again, as I conclude, here, here are some of the things. Man, when was the last time? I'm, I'm just going to worship God. I want to I ask us this morning to just worship God again. Can we worship God together? Say, yes, yes, my needs are there and they haven't left. But they're not in my focus. They're not right now. They're to the side because between these hours... This is what I do. I worship God. If you are new to this place, welcome to church. I want to be known as a church of worshipers, not a church of religious elitist people who are too good to bow down before God and say, God, I'm nothing. Oh, but you are everything. So would you worship with me this morning? Would you worship with me this morning? I want to ask uh, Dad to come again. And this is going to be our invitation song. As an invitation song, he's going to sing the exact same song that he sang before. As an, as an invitation, uh, grab, that, grab that same mic. And we're just going to pray and worship together. So now's the time I, I want to ask you. Uh, we have a position. We have a place. Where can we worship? Anywhere. We have a position, and we have a heart of worship. All of these things have been taught. All of these things have been preached. And I guess I just want to ask my church, would you join me? Um, would, uh, excuse me. Would you join me in, uh, uh, excuse me, would you join me in worship? And I didn't get into something, how worthy he is. I didn't get into that. I know I didn't. But he is worthy this morning of our worship. So this is our invitation song. You're welcome to come to the altar and pray. You're welcome to stay where you are. Would you stand with me? Please.